All right, good folks out there in internet radio land, I guess. This is War on Anchor, and we are back with the In the Scope podcast. Another week, another target for Josh to take on. And uh, the man right here, Joshua M. Hicks, is here, fresh off his uh, debut spot with uh, Scoop B. They, uh, Brandon, our man Brandon, returned a favor from being on ITS a couple weeks ago and had Josh on with him on his uh, Scoop B podcast. So y'all make sure to listen to that if you haven't already. And uh, along with this, which will be out soon. But uh, Josh, man, how you doing, man? We uh, got, like you said, we did this scoop there. We got some, we, we, gonna, we, we gonna sit on some other news for a little bit, but we'll, we'll break y'all with that for, for uh, in pretty soon. But we got some good stuff coming down the pipe with you, man. How, how you feeling? Man, I'm doing good. Just trying to stay busy and keep up with everything. We'll keep up with everything that's going on just like you guys. Definitely, definitely, man. You're doing good, man. Uh, let's let's jump right off into this uh, this week's column and this week's uh, subject because uh, uh, yeah, it, it's working off the main news that they still has everybody pretty pretty flabbergasted from last night. Uh, the big shot with uh, Damian Lillard taking out OKC and taking out Russell Westbrook in particular. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of hard for Russ to find friends right now. I don't even know if we would call you a friend of Russ, but you're, you're willing to have his back in, in, some, in some way with your column this week. Uh, we we have to discuss your motivations for that in a little bit. But first off, just... Uh, let, let everybody know where, where you're coming from with your column this week. Yeah, this week's column is, gonna, is targeting not just Russell Westbrook, but the overall uh, direction of the franchise in Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, yes, obviously, Russell Westbrook has been on a tear ever since um, the post-Durant era started, but he has been winning postseason games and postseason series like he could have. Um, ever since the Durant left, he has been 0-3 in the playoffs and as far as winning series is concerned. And on top of that, he's losing half over half of his games. They've been each, in, in each uh, year that he's been out in the playoffs, they've been exiting out the first round. No matter who he's played with, he's played with great stars and great backcourt talent. Victor Oladipo, currently Paul George, Carmelo Anthony are just are just a couple of those names to mention. And each of these years, for some reason, they just can't get out of that first round. And I'm saying that it's not just Russell Westbrook's problem, as people are saying it is. It's more to it than that. It's the overall franchise, it's the overall franchise itself that has problems. And this is stemming from the beginning of, like I said, from the beginning of the Kevin Durant era. And more specifically from a front office standpoint, you can definitely make an argument that it stems from when they first had the big three, or growing big three of Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. Um, over, obviously, we're starting off with the postseason and the three years that Durant's been gone. Uh, since Durant has left, Russell 
has been putting up big numbers. He's been the triple-double king, per se. Going on three straight seasons now where he's averaging a triple-double. And, and the first year that uh, he started the season without Durant, he put up uh, a 31-point triple-double season, which is unheard of in NBA already in general for them to do it over such a long period of time. And at, the, at a high efficiency rate that he was doing it, um, he was putting up something that I don't think anyone really can ever match uh, going on down the future. But he was doing, he was putting up these incredible numbers and keeping his team afloat. But but for some reason, um, Russ struggled to maintain that uh, constant efficiency uh, throughout, throughout the playoffs. When it comes to the postseason play, during the season he'll be fine, but during the uh, postseason he'll, he'll that efficiency rate will go down and he will not be as consistent as he needs to be and this season was a prime example of that uh, to be honest, and to be completely honest with you just from the overall season in general from that first historical MVP season he has decreased dramatically from the efficiency standpoint um, even though he's had talent to have eliminated some of his shots or, the, or, the, or at least decreased the amount of shots he would normally take in the game his percentage numbers is has gone down drastically. Um, from his first season without Durant, he was shooting 85% for the free throw line and 35%. Since then, dating to this season or the end of this season, that free throw percentage went from 85 down to 66. And that three point shooting percentage went from 35 to 29. Clearly, he's not, even though we know he's not a shooter, shooters don't decline that quickly over a period of time. And for some reason, he just can't maintain the high level of play that he wants to be from an efficiency standpoint long term. And obviously, when Russ is Russ, he's known to turn over the ball a lot more than normal, take unnecessary shots, and not get his, his teammates involved when they need to be involved. Um, one of the things that made the Oklahoma City Thunder so successful this year was when he was when Russell Westbrook took a step back. That even though he was the leader, he catered to Paul George. He let Paul George be the number one option throughout the games. And when it counted, and when times counted the most, he let Paul George take the reign. Like he, he let Paul George take over the reign and really excel Paul George's game to a level where he was arguably considered an MVP candidate. Now, as the second half of the season went uh, went on, and including the playoffs, it seemed like Russell Westbrook reverted back to his old ways of being the dominant point guard, handling the ball all the time, not really being efficient on offense, not really having much of an offensive game. And it really derailed the offensive flow that would get that would get Paul George and Steven Adams and all, the, and all those other guys involved at a high rate. So the blame for that is the coaching staff. The coaching staff's the reason why you have a coach staff, they're supposed to direct um, and create an offensive flow and an offensive culture that allows players, other than the best player, to rise. It works, and, and for, for a period of time, it worked for Russell Westbrook and whoever the counterpart may be. But when it comes to key moments and key games, especially in the playoff when the game isn't as fast-paced as it is, it slows down, it isn't more into a half-court setting. Billy Donovan failed Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and that offense when it, com- uh, when, it came to- when it comes to that. Scott Brooks did the same thing uh, post Durant when he was still there. So offensively, Billy Donovan has, has made lack 
person when it comes to adjusting his game plan to fit the players uh, in a way where they can thrive and still be efficient enough to win in games. And you, and you saw that discrepancy with the uh, Trailblazers uh, series. The offense was stacked. It was more of the Russell Westbrook offensive show. And if Russell Westbrook isn't hit, then you have to rely on your counterparts. And quite frankly, it should be reversed. Where Russell Westbrook, even though as great as he is, he's not the man, he should, he's not a number one option on your team. They should have let Paul George be that number one option and revert to Russell Westbrook at the number two. So that way the offense can still be flowing. Because we know Russell Westbrook will get his regardless. But Paul, and, but Paul George is the guy that can score without the ball, but still keep the ball a decent amount of time to make something happen. And, he, and those touches became very limited, per se, throughout the postseason. Um, and another, and one of the uh, ways to kind of fix that is not just get the players that you know that can aid towards that, but have the coach have the culture to work with those players and create that environment for players to trust in the system. And I don't think everyone on that Oklahoma City Thunder team trusts the system. Um, they go and then, you know targeting towards the front office aspect of things. They did everything that they can post Durant to make sure that this team stayed afloat. Like I said, they got Victor Oladipo when they did. They turned the Victor Oladipo deal into the Paul George uh, marathon, per se, now that he's now he's in Oklahoma City long term. Then you bring in Carmelo Anthony, who, although may not have been the best fit, was still a really productive player while he was still in Oklahoma City as a third option. And if you kept him this year, which they could have before they traded for De- uh, Dennis Schroeder. You, they could, that, he could have been a viable third option to help the Thunder get through those um, relatively close games uh, within this Trailblazer series. But the reason why that Carmelo Anthony uh, situation failed was because of the fact that Billy Donovan didn't find a way to get Melo involved and didn't give Melo that reassurance that even though he wanted to be the starter on the team, he, he didn't give him that reassurance that he could have been that strong six man off the bench to run that second year, which is which would have been the most ideal situation for Camilo Anthony, uh, bearing his style of play. So it's a mixture of things that that go into this. And I know earlier I mentioned from a front office standpoint, you could technically question their judgment when it came to them letting go James Harden the way that they did, and um, choosing. To go with Russell Westbrook for the most part over Durant, even though Durant had the choice to lead their first day. Um, you get there's a lot of factors that can go into that from a front office standpoint. But at the end of the day, the front office hires the coach, and when he hires the coach, the coach's job is to work with what he had, with what the front office management gives. The front office management gave Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan, for sure, but also a combination of Scott Brooks and Billy Donovan. They gave at one point Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony, four big-time all-stars and superstars in this league, and only one of them stayed uh, stuck around for the long term. And you have Paul George, where technically, out of all those players, he probably is the best fit to be the sidekick for Westbrook. But Westbrook has the but if Westbrook continues to be Westbrook, it kind of leaves Paul George in the in the in the in the, in the realm somewhere. So, at the end of the day, Russell Westbrook was one of the main problems. He has to learn how to, he, learned, he needs to learn how to adapt his game 
to a point where he has to be more of the second option on an offense instead of the first option because of the way his skill set is and his lack of shooting, especially in a shooting league. But that can only be adjustable if everybody's on the same page, which, quite frankly, um, having a coach like Billy Donovan, who isn't as disciplined or strong-willed to, um, to basically earn Russell Russell respect when it comes to these types of conversations, you're gonna have you're gonna be at a crossroads for the most part, especially if you keep Westwood as your number one option. And that's where the Oklahoma City Thunder are at right now. They need to have a long they need to sit this offseason to have a long sit down with the direction of the franchise as far as maybe potentially changing coaches and bringing in someone like the Lakers are gonna have to do with LeBron James and get a coach that respects that are, that has the respect of Russell Westbrook and that can convince Russell Westbrook to do what he has to do in order to adapt his game and make others work within their offensive system. And they need to have a sit down with Russell Westbrook himself and say, this clearly this offensive plan off of the scheme that we have for you isn't working and you have digressed. Even though you are a great superstar with these triple doubles and you're putting up historical numbers, your overall efficiency, especially from a shooting standpoint, has digressed and that is hurting our team's chances of winning. We have to, they have to figure out a way for him to adapt his offensive game to where he can be more facilitator instead of trying to shoot the ball at the consistent high rate that he is. And that's something that they have to sit down this offseason and really have a discussion with them on how to adapt and change that role. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, just, I'm looking up certain stats with the Thunder and everything while you're talking and you know, you, you make a lot of compelling points, man. It's, and the, I think one of the things with the Thunder over, over the past three years with, uh, you know, post the ramp, it's been kind of bewildering why they haven't had more success and, you know, why they flamed out like they have in the playoffs. They've only won uh, four games in these three series that they played. Uh, out without Durant, uh, they won one game against uh, one game against Houston in the 17 first round and 18 first round. They lost 4-2 to Utah, and in the 19 first round, of course, this year they uh, flamed out in five games against Portland. To that, with that said, though, I wonder. You know, really, if 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 in any, if you look at the, that Houston series two years ago, they weren't the better team. They were the lowest. They they were the lowest seed. Last year was a year you could really say was a missed opportunity because they were the higher seed. It was a four or five matchup, which is you know the most even matchup you can get in the playoffs. But they were the four seed, and they were playing a young. Utah team with relatively little playoff experience, especially compared to Oklahoma. So you could definitely see that as a failed uh, opportunity for that franchise there. And th- but this year, again, they were the lower seed in a three-six matchup. And uh, I don't know. It's, I think in some ways, I think we may have to adjust our expectations. Oklahoma City and I think in a lot of ways that sort of happened with this as this series has played out with Portland a lot of people are seeing more of the limitations of uh, Westbrook 
And even though he's a very dynamic player who gets a lot of stats, you know, there are some very deep limitations to his game and, and deep limitations in the way that he plays with other players. And, you know, I think there were, there were deep limitations with his team, too. Like the way that they – I was – coming into the season, I thought that they had made some good moves with getting people like Schroeder and, uh, you know, Nerns Noel on the team and getting some more athleticism on in the rotation and stuff. But it took them losing Andre Roberson to really see how shallow they were defensively. And I think that played a big role in this in this loss to uh, Portland. And just overall, they didn't have the depth. They didn't have the flexibility in the wing positions uh, that Portland had. Uh, me and Chris Pennant, uh, you better hear us uh, in the playoff diary coming up. Uh, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, Chris in particular talked about Af- Aminu and, um, that's my man's name, uh, Aminu and a couple of the, Mar- Maurice Harkers, Mo Harkers, uh, the, the impact they've had in the series. And uh, that, that sort of inspired play wasn't coming from anyone but PG and Russ in this series from Oklahoma City standpoint. So, you know, it's a deeply flawed team in general. So I think that that part of your column definitely is substantial. You know, saying dumping everything on Russ is is not maybe not the best way to look at it. But it's hard. You know, Russ is the franchise player on this team, and Russ is when you look at the the number one player on Portland. Russ decided to pick a fight with that guy. And he lost straight up, and you know, <laughs> it, you know, Lillard, Lillard, Lillard walked over him, and he he was fueled by his confrontations with Russ, and he played to a certain the, the killers, the, the, a degree of killer mentality that we uh, we haven't seen in the playoffs in a long time. And it, it's it's rough, it, it's, it's it's rough on Russ, man. I know he. He just really didn't handle much well at all of this series. Whether it was the inconsistent play, whether it was dealing with the media and all, all this stuff that come out with him beefing with the, the columnist down there, Trammell, I believe, in Oklahoma. And, uh, he just had a lot of bad looks with this series. And like you say, like you say, Josh, man, I, they, they may need a whole lot of uh, tough love down there in Oklahoma City. They, they may need to do some, you know, some reconsidering of a lot of things. But I, I wonder how much of that is going to even happen. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big Billy Donovan guy either. Uh, he's been, he's, he's had a winning record, a lot of wins in this, in, in his time as coach Oklahoma City. But he's benefited from the, the front line talent that he's had. His best season was his first season when Durant was still there. They won 55 games. You know, we know what happened there. They almost beat Golden State, but it seemed like uh, that. It seemed like by the end of that season, Durant was ready to go anyway. How much of that was? We still don't know exactly how much of that was Durant wanting to get away from Westbrook or Durant wanting to get away from the Oklahoma City franchise in general. You know, that's something that hasn't been 
completely revealed, but you figure that both factors may have played a role in that. And that again would tell you, uh, that would get into the, you know, how deeply flawed Oklahoma City franchise is right now and how many issues they're dealing with that's deep rooted and something that is not gonna go away anytime soon. And when you look at, you know, what they've done in the time since, they've done a lot to try to keep themselves competitive in the West where stars are, are necessity. They got themselves a second star in Paul George and Paul has been allowed to flourish in a lot of ways this year. As I look at a basketball reference in front of me, uh, Westbrook has had the most win shares in three out of the last four years. The Rants last year was the last time that anyone had uh, top win share on uh, Oklahoma City besides Westbrook. Uh, but that changed this year with George. George uh, leads the team in win shares and not Westbrook. So that means that George has played more of a role in winning more games than Westbrook has. So if you look at the adjustment that's there that's possibly already taking place, maybe more of what you're looking to see, Josh, is already taking place. Maybe Westbrook will start to adjust his game in a way and be more of a facilitator and allow George to be that top that top uh, scorer and that that top clutch guy that they need in, in certain moments. But uh, what good is that going to do if Westbrook is still hard-headed in, in other ways? And when, when he uh, sort of barks up the wrong tree like he did this in this series, you know? That's, and what if, you know, who's going to stop him if the coach can't and from uh, taking over the ball in certain in certain situations where he shouldn't probably do that. Maybe, you know, when 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 George isn't gonna be the guy to speak up, he's much like Durant in that way where he's not he's not very assertive in that way. And you don't have anybody else on the team who's gonna stand up to to Russ either. That's a formula that's I think that's gonna lead to more stagnation with Oklahoma City. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely gonna be rough, definitely gonna be hard for me to see Oklahoma City really without uh, you know something really drastic happening, without you know to see them really change their course of, of you know their destination there, the you know the, the the path they seem to be stuck on a certain path that they can't get out of. And, you know, we we'll have to see if, if if anything could happen that'll make them more of a threat in the West than they are now. But I don't see it happening. Right, I don't see that happening either. And a really this and a really brief point that we I want to highlight shows the impact that Russell Westbrook has on an offense. If you notice that the players that I mentioned before that he played with, James Harden, Victor Oladipo. Um, at one point in time from Melo Anthony you know those are the main guys that he played with that, and from a sidekick standpoint that was that number two guy on that offense both of them are having career years all of those guys are having career years once they left OKC once Victor Oladipo left to go to Indiana and that Paul George trade 
Eastern Conference. And a player that almost took out LeBron James in the first round of the playoffs last season. And he would have been an all-star this year if he hadn't got hurt. So, Victor Oladipo improved once he left Oklahoma City. Uh, when Paul George came, uh, once Paul George came to Oklahoma City and they started off, he struggled. But once Westbrook sort of changed his game, let Paul George beat Paul George, he was basically an MVP candidate. I had, I have a feeling that if the coaching staff utilized Carmelo Anthony correctly and built that rapport with him, that you know would have worked with Oklahoma City Thunder and for him, he would, he would have been thriving too, just like Paul George thrived this year. But like, like what we mentioned earlier, it goes towards the, the culture that's established within that franchise. Yeah. And it's very, very thin. It's very, very weak because of the fact that it's the Russell Westbrook show every time he steps out on that court. And that's what the coaching staff lets Russell Westbrook do. There's no one that, dis- there's no one that disciplines him and goes and, and basically barks at him to get him to adjust and really consider changing things up. Uh, when it comes to his offensive style of play. And that's what the Oklahoma City Thunder need. They need to follow the steps of what the Lakers are trying to do with LeBron James and bring in a guy that can really be accountable on All-Stars or on Superstars, especially when it comes to the bigger stages of the game. And it's only a select few coaches that can do that. But there are some that are available that are out there, and they need to really pursue going after them. Because, like you said, I think this is now four, four years that Billy Donovan's been at Oklahoma City. And... Yeah. Not much has changed. It's time to move forward. I think it's time for them to move in a different direction if they really want to get to that next level. And like I said, it does start with Russell Westbrook, but also starts with front of management and having them really push the envelope to get the right guy to lead this franchise from a coaching standpoint and a guy that can really challenge Russell Westbrook to improve and be better to improve the state that the Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City Thunder in right now. Well, who who do you think that person is? Who who do you see? Who would you want coaching Oklahoma City at this point? At this point, I would consider Mark Jackson. I would really consider Mark Jackson to take that uh, take that spot. But you just Mark want Mark Jackson to have a job, period. I know that. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, the guy deserving of it is he's literally coached the Golden State Warriors team and made them the Warriors before the Warriors that they are now. I, I do, yeah, I do think that Mark is deserving of another job and he he did play a key role in the early development of the, of the Warriors. I do agree with that. I don't, like I said, I don't know. I guess Mark as a player and as a, you know, a well-known and respected player and a fellow point guard, uh, you know, maybe he maybe he could speak to certain experiences and, and certain things that Russ only Russ could understand. And you know, maybe yeah, maybe he would have more of an authority, authoritative presence that Russ would uh, you know adhere to. Uh, you know, go, go ahead. What you know, you got other. What other reasons would you think that Mark would uh, Mark Jackson would be a success possibly in Oklahoma City? Well, you bring you basically just mentioned it. Basically, about the fact that, like you said, he's a point guard. He has a point guard's mind. And if the and if the Thunder are really trying to make Russell Westbrook a point guard, he has. He, he, there's no other person that can really work with them from an adaptation standpoint than a pass first point guard and a point guard that can actually set up and run an off, 
Uh, you broke out a little bit there. You might, might want to start okay. off. Okay. Um, basically, what I'm saying is, you, you have a pet, if you have a That's the key, really, there, though. Like you mentioned the defense, boosting the defense on the perimeter, and you know how much of a difference could that have made in the series like this with Portland, where you were having bombs away from outside. You're not having guys close out enough from the from the three point three point range. You're not having guys put pressure and making uh, McCollum and. You know, even though they can make plays off the dribble anyway, but you know, you're making them work more if they if if they don't they're not able to just pull up on you and shoot thirty footers. You know that when they were doing stuff like that, that's that's making a greater impact on their offense. And you know, that's something that Oklahoma definitely I think could need. And if you look at if like say if you had like a, a defensive minded point guard and you put Roberson have a healthy Roberson uh, in the mix too, for I guess probably at the three with Russ playing two. And you have, you know, you have like a small, a sort of a small lineup with uh, PG at the four. And PG could, you know, he could guard a lot of fours, especially if you're talking about stretch fours. You know, his, with his, his athleticism, that's definitely a boost that you would have for a defensive standpoint, at least on the perimeter, which is where so much of the game is won or lost nowadays. Right. It's definitely a good look that the Oklahoma City Thunder really needs to pursue. But like I said, you got to have that sit down. you got to have that one-on-one sit down with your star player yeah. and with your coach and figure out if the, the right direction that you got to take to get to that next level. What the, and it, like I said, you got to think about this too. If you do bring in And if you want to move forward, I don't think you 
have, I don't think Billy Donovan really needs to be there. You got to bring someone in that understands what, when to make adjustments at the right moments, the right times of games. Especially bringing in uh, potential top tier or tier two uh, free agents or talent to fill the needs that you lack on the season. Yeah, and, and you know, you, like I said, you keep, as I mentioned in Donovan, and this may extend to Sam Presti too, as the GM, you know, if you have a vacuum in the leadership from those levels, it's, it's going to hurt all the efforts throughout the team, you know, no matter what talent you get in there. But I, but I do think that two of the main things you need to do is in, just infuse that roster with more talent, uh, especially coming off the bench. And, you know, maybe you do need a coaching upgrade there. Like I said, I'm not a big Donovan guy anyway. So, but I think the main thing is, and, and, and this goes into your point about, like, the talk. I don't know if you, you really need to do a heart-to-heart talk with Westbrook, but I think that's going to be, that's like speaking to a brick wall in a lot of ways. I don't think that Westbrook is a good. We don't we don't know this for sure because he doesn't speak much, unfortunately. But I don't think Westbrook is would be against instilling more talent on the team. I think he would love to have more talent on the team. It's just a matter of you know. I think he wants. I, I think he would want to have more talent on the team that he trusts. But, but like you said too, you you have to sell him on certain things. But if you, you you can sell a lot with action as opposed to talk. And, you know, Russ is Russ is in the starters now. He's going to be the player that he's going to be. Certain things are going to make him adjust as he grows older and he has to adjust physically. But I think in, in most ways, he's going to be the player that he's going to be. And because we do know that he can do things like pass the ball, you know, if you give him more players who can shoot around him, he, he should be willing to pass the ball. He should be able, he should be willing to do things in certain moments of the game that will have less weight fall on him and give him less of a chance to crumble in the in the weight of that pressure. So, you know, like I say, I just think two things need to happen with with Oklahoma City. You need to get more talent and you need to maybe make that coaching change but there's no reason why I think you can't win with PG and Russ if you have the roster around them that you know better teams have like going back to what I said earlier there's of these three series that they had post Durant there's really only one that you could say that they should have won. The other two, they just weren't the better team. So, and you know, as, as we go forward with this roster and this franchise, they just need to be a better team. And maybe, maybe they, maybe there's some issues too of how they play throughout the season. Maybe they could win more games to set themselves up better in the postseason. But. You know, again, that if you have more depth and more overall talent on your team, that allows the stars to have less weight on them throughout each season. If if if, if Russell, this is my last point. If Russell Westbrook has to have a triple double again, 
or even has to flirt with an average or triple-double again next year, they're not going to do, they're not going to contend for a championship. And that's, I think that's an indefinite situation for him. If he has to, if he can't be fine with a double-double or just averaging 20 points and maybe eight or nine rebounds or six or seven assists, if he can't be fine uh, having those type of numbers, then uh, Oklahoma City is is bearing too much weight on him and thus Oklahoma City is not in a position to win. All right, so that's uh that's our discussion there. And uh as it read more, you know, on, on the on the issue from Josh's point of view uh this Friday on WeAreRegalRadio.com. But uh before we go, uh anything else that's jumping out on you, man, with the with the playoffs, uh with we may be uh oh we may be uh about to wrap up the first round tonight if both of the uh, home teams win. Uh, Houston is 3-1 up on Utah, and uh, Golden State's 3-1 up on uh, uh, the Clippers. So if they both win, then we'll have all uh, all the matchups except for uh, Denver and, uh, and San Antonio. Uh, so uh, anything has uh, stuck with you or impressed you in particular uh, throughout the rest of the playoffs so far? Um, I knew, I knew, I never doubted uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and their stuff and their play, but I had question marks on obviously the reserves and with the and with the uh, absence of uh, Nikola Jurgic, um, you, I thought he was a really big defensive anchor and an improving offensive asset for the Trailblazers that really got them to that third seat. And I thought that was going to be a big loss for them and made be impactful. To a team like Oklahoma City, which thrives in a paint, and when they want to play defense together, and it, uh, when they want to play defense at a high rate, can be very, can be, can be a really big threat. But Damian, the shout out to Damian Lillard, he like like we mentioned and talked about earlier, he came for Russell Westbrook in that Oklahoma City Thunder, and he made it, and he made sure that he was not going to get knocked out that first round again. And between that uh, tremendous backcourt of Lillard and McCollum. And Mo Harkless and Aminu, those guys really stepping up and shooting the ball, uh, shooting the ball well when needed. It's, and Enos Cantor filling in, filling in for uh, Jerkish, man. They've been really balling and they showed out and they showed that they're, they're, there's a reason why they're the number three team in the Western Conference. And they truly showed that, hey, we're not a team to be slept on. You can, and you can make a really solid case that they can be that, that slept on team that could possibly make the Western Conference finals, depending on. Playing uh, between Denver and San Antonio, so it's going to be a very interesting uh, playoffs when it comes to looking at the Portland Trailblazers, and that's definitely a team we should not be sleeping on. Well, you, I personally, I got them making the, the Western Conference Finals, regardless of who they face in the second round. I, I think Denver would give them uh, a more competitive series. Uh, that could be a, a, a downright fun series. Uh, given all the youthful talent that's in it on both teams and guys looking to prove themselves further and stuff. But I just think Portland has really got it all together right now. If they continue to get the good uh, 
good play from their front court, and they're uh, able to contain uh, uh, contain the Joker there out there from Denver well enough. Uh, I think a lot of what they, a lot of the perimeter guys for Denver, uh, you know, they'll they'll probably actually shoot better than Oklahoma did, uh, you know, in the first round. But you know, with Murray and stuff and Beasley and some of those guys they got, but. I just don't think that they have it in them yet to to beat a team like Portland with uh, that's ready that's really ready to make a statement right now. They they made a statement already by beating Oklahoma City, and I think they see the opportunities there to to uh, square up with with Golden State and, and give it give it their shot there for the for the Western Conference. So I think that's gonna be that's gonna be motivation enough for them to get through that second round, in my opinion. Yeah, let's uh let's wrap it up with that, and uh, we'll we'll see how the rest of the playoffs unfold. Uh, like I said, we'll we'll have more playoff diaries coming for you uh, here on War on Anchor, and uh, we'll try to get another uh, Running with War epi- full episode up in uh, maybe next week or two. Uh, as as uh, things continue to go here, the playoffs and things get more and more exciting. But uh, definitely in the meantime, keep reading Josh's stuff in the scope and other features and, and columns that he's writing for us. Um, and listen, like I said, listen to uh, Josh with Scoop B on the Scoop B podcast that's available now on all podcast platforms. And listen to all the rest of our stuff. We are radio.com. Uh, bringing you hot stuff every day, man. NFL draft stuff. You know, I got my exclusive uh, little talk with Martellus Bennett. I just put up, man. We hitting you from all angles, man. So uh, you can't sleep on us, man. Yeah, that's all that's all that's done with. Uh, keep keep listening, man. Subscribe, share with your friends and family if you if you like what we're doing. Uh, rate us, give us good ratings and all that, man. Show us love, we'll show it right back, man. But uh, for Josh Hicks, Josh William Hicks, uh, this is Kyle Means, uh, editorial director, WeAreRegalRadio.com, and uh, In The Scope Podcast, wrapping up once again. And uh, we'll see y'all next week, all right?